In the fourth chapter of Philippians, I just want you to notice this one verse, very familiar verse of Scripture. Verse 13. Philippians 4, 13. And it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Everybody say that out loud with me. Let's read it together. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Praise God. Hold your place there. Look at Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Hebrews chapter 13. Just want you to notice this one thought here in verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6 of chapter 13 of Hebrews, the latter portion of verse 5 says that he said, God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Glory to God. Everybody say that out loud. The Lord is my helper. Say it again. The Lord is my helper. One more time. The Lord is my helper. Glory to God. Amen. The title of my message this morning is Help Lord. <laughs> the Lord is my helper. Praise God. You know, the, the scriptures are, are replete with different uh, commitments from God to help us. Amen. He didn't just create the heavens and the earth and, and the man and the woman and give the thing a spin and say, well, I'll come back and check on it in a few thousand years to see what happened. No, God has made a personal commitment himself and by the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and through the person of the Holy Spirit and through all the heavenly host and through all the power behind the throne of God to watch over us, to help us, to assist us, to aid us, to strengthen us, to guide us, to teach us, to put us over. Amen. He has committed to help us. Amen. Amen. Help us. I tell you, one of, the, one of my favorite scriptures along this line is Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah 41.10. Anybody know that verse? Isaiah 41.10. You don't have to turn there. But he says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Amen. Glory to God. You know, in this scripture there in Hebrews 13, the Amplified brings out that the Greek literally repeats this thought uh, as far as him uh, not failing us or forsaking us three times. In other words, what it says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. That's what the Greek literally implies there. Now that's strong. I mean, God just said light be one time, and it was and it is. 
But he knew that the devil would come and lie to us. He knew we'd have a lot of things to look at and feel and deal with. And I mean, he repeats it and emphasizes it. He says, listen to me. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor leave you without support, nor let you down, so that we can boldly and confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Hallelujah! He's my helper. You know, when Jesus, uh, before He went to the cross and before He ascended on high, He said to the disciples, He said, uh, I've got to go, I'm leaving. But He said, uh, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Or as one translation said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send you another comforter. Now the word comforter is from the Greek word paraclete. It literally means one called to one's side to help. So literally you could translate that phrase helper. Helper. The Holy Ghost is called the helper. And what a helper he is. Amen. My, my, my. The helper. Capital T, capital H. The helper. Amen. You can get some help here and there, but we're talking about the helper. Glory to God. And I mean, you know, the, the, the Amplified gives us a sevenfold rendering of this word paraclete. It talks about he's our strengthener, he's our standby, our comforter, our intercessor, our advocate, etc. But he's our helper. And it's just describing different ways that he helps us. How many believe God is our helper? Amen. He wants to help you. Is that right? He's committed to help you. Committed to help you. To help put you over, to help cause you to be victorious in every undertaking in life that is right in His sight. In every area, He's committed to you to help you. But I think many misunderstand exactly what it means for the Lord to help us. Go back with me, if you would, at this uh, uh, fourth chapter of Philippians. Look at this verse again that we read because these two thoughts need to be considered together. Philippians 4.13 He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, either literally or mentally, you ought to circle that letter I. Amen? I can do all things. Through Christ, we strengthen me. Now, who's going to do it? I. Who can do it? I can do it. Amen. Now, the Lord's going to strengthen me, but who's going to do it? I can do it. Amen. Go back with me over to Mark, the, uh, the, the ninth and the tenth chapter. Uh, hold your place there in Philippians, or, you know, mark it if you hadn't already lost it. If you have, that's fine. You can find it again. But, but in a, uh, in Mark, the 10th chapter, and then we're going to back up to the 9th chapter. Mark chapter 10, and then chapter 9. Now see, you know, don't, don't, I wouldn't want you to sit here and think, well, you know, so-and-so needs to be here and hear this. They really need to hear this. Well, no, you're here. Amen. And the Lord knew you'd be here. Isn't that right? And so he's talking to us. Praise God. 
In Mark, the 10th chapter, uh, verse 27, Mark 10, 27. And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, with men it is impossible. How I many know oh, there's just a whole lot of things that's impossible with men? I mean, you know, you couldn't write all the books with all the things that uh, men can't do. But not with God. Not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Nothing's too difficult for God. Nothing's too hard for God. God can do anything. God is possible for God to do anything. Isn't that right? How many believe that with God, all things are possible? I mean, God can do anything. You believe that? Anything. Anything. I mean, God can recreate new organs in the body. Can he? I mean, he can restore muscle tissue, bone tissue, brain tissue. Amen. God can, even though you might seem hopelessly in debt and in trouble, God can get you out of that. He can get the money to you. Amen. I said he can. Do you believe he knows where the money's at? Do you believe he can get it to you? You've got to stir yourself up on these things. Amen. Nothing is too hard for God. I mean, you may have relationship problems. Either with parents or with children or with spouse or with relative or with friend or with co-worker or with supervisor or boss. But nothing's too hard for God. Amen. Amen. No case is too hard for God. No situation is too difficult for God. With God, nothing is impossible. With God, all things are possible. But back up to the ninth chapter. Just maybe a page in your Bible. And notice the 23rd verse. Jesus said to him, If thou, or if you, can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things are possible to him. Now we just got through seeing it said all things are possible to God. With God. But here he didn't say all things are possible to God. He says all things are possible to him that believes. How many believe all things are possible to you and with you if you believe? That you can do anything. Amen. And all things are possible with you and to you. To me. To you. If you believe. Notice what happened in this whole portion here. This man, if you go back and look at the whole story that Jesus is talking to, he had a son that from a child had been taken with seizures and had was demonically oppressed. And he had brought his son to Jesus. You know, he wanted to bring him to Jesus to get him set free because he had heard about the deliverances that had been occurring in Jesus' ministry. But Jesus wasn't there. He and Peter and John, uh, James and John, they, they were up on the mountain, you see. The Mount of Transfiguration, where this experience occurred. And so they weren't there. And so they, they saw Jesus' disciples. And they, they said, you know, can you do anything with him? And so Jesus' disciples had been authorized and empowered to, to minister to folk. And they'd been getting tremendous results. But with this individual, even though they had uh, labored, apparently, to get him set free, they were unsuccessful. Now, you know, many folk right there, they'd have, they'd have stopped and built a new doctrine. Well, it must not be God's will for this one to be set free. 
You know, do, do you do you realize that it doesn't make a difference who prayed for you or who ministered to you or who ministered to that one? If they didn't get results, that does not prove that it's God's will for that person not to be healed or delivered. You understand? I mean, the disciples failed to get somebody set free, and it didn't prove uh, that it wasn't God's will for that person to be set free or delivered. It didn't prove it at all. In fact, later on, if you read Matthew's account in Matthew 17, later on after the boy was set free through Jesus' ministry personally, they asked him, why couldn't we cast it out? Why couldn't we get the boy set free? He looked at him in Matthew 17, he said, because of your unbelief. Amen. Amen. The only thing their failure proved was their unbelief. It did not prove that it was God's will that some be bound or some be sick. Can you say Amen. And the reason some denominations believe the way they do today, they believe, well, it's not God's will for all to be healed. It's not God's will for all to be set free. It's because back in their history somewhere, somebody that was renowned prayed for somebody or ministered to somebody, and they didn't get set free. And instead of them taking responsibility about it, the minister and the person, they just said, well, it must not have been God's will. And they just passed it off like that. When we're not getting results, there's no need for us to come up with these, you know, uh, doctrines about it not being God's will. It's just time for us to buckle down and believe God. Amen. Amen. Get the slack out. Realize that we've been in doubt. We've been in unbelief. Let's just get with it and believe God. Get results. Can you say amen? amen? But see, it's easier as far as responsibility. Just put it all off on God. Well, it must not have been God's will. That means I don't have to do a thing. You understand what I'm saying? But no, 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 no. So anyway, they, uh, the, these disciples couldn't, couldn't get this boy set free. And the Pharisees and the different religious leaders were having a heyday out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, apparently they were mocking, making fun, you know, well, see there, you know, this stuff don't work and, and what have you. And the crowd was, there was an uproar of, of sorts in the crowd. And then Jesus and the apostles and disciples that were with him came back down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And I mean, you talk about an experience, they've just had one. I mean, Jesus was transfigured, his raiment became white, and they heard God speak right out of heaven, and, and they saw Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus about what was going to happen in Jerusalem with the crucifixion and all those things. I mean, you talk about an experience. They had one. But you know, this is, this is interesting. Right after this glorious experience, Jesus comes right down off of this mountain and comes face to face with demonic oppression and an unbelieving crowd. How many realize you may have some tremendous experiences, you know? But you just need to be ready <laughs> when they're over. The devil's going to still be there. And unbelieving folk and, and traditional people and hard-headed, stubborn folk are going to still be around. Amen. And you'd like to just live up on top of the mountain transfigured. But you can't. You can't stay there. It's not going to be like that all the time, 24 hours a day. Amen. You've got to deal with the real world. And the real world is full of demons and unbelievers. Amen. It's going to be that way till Jesus comes. But we can get as many converted as we can. Amen? Amen. Work on it. But this man came to Jesus. The disciples have failed. They have not been able to get his boy set free. And he came to to Jesus in verse... uh, uh, Well, let's just begin and, and, and read the whole thing. Verse 14. He came to his disciples and he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. Straightway all the people when they beheld him were greatly amazed and running to him saluted him. He asked the scribes, Why question you with him? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. 
And whatsoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Now, let's, let's wait just a minute here. When Jesus answered, the Bible said he answered him. He's talking to this father. He answered him. And he didn't just talk to him, but he talked to the whole crowd that was there. And he said, you faithless bunch. How long am I going to be with you and put up with this? Now, I don't know, you know, compared to what there is to know about God, I don't know much. But I have learned a few things. And I tell you one thing I've learned about God, and that is he despises unbelief. The Lord will get angry more about unbelief than he will about a lot of things that some folk might think. So a lot of people, they get hung up over this little technicality or this little deal here, this little thing there, and they make a big deal out of some things that God doesn't make that big of a deal out of. But if you go through the scriptures and study where the Lord got angry, again and again, it was with people that were unbelieving and hard-hearted. Amen? See, so, and, and the reason I bring it up is because sometimes people take the attitude, well, you know, everybody's got some doubt and unbelief, you know. Uh, we're just, we're working through it. We'll get it out one of these days, you know, and kind of take a, a haphazard, lazy attitude about it. But friend, I want you to understand, the Lord is intolerant of doubt because nobody has to doubt. There's no excuse for doubt. Are you listening? No excuse at all. Now, if you're ignorant and you hadn't heard the word, well, that's one thing. But if you've heard something and you just don't believe it, there's no reason for that. There's no excuse for that. Thank God there's forgiveness. I said there's forgiveness, but there's no excuse. Did you hear me? It's so many times folk, you know, would think that if we're, we're, we're kind of mulling and, and kind of down and we're, we're actually just doubting and unbelieving and we, we think, well, the Lord's going to come, you know, he'd, he'd put his arms around and say, well, that's all right, honey. I, I, everybody doubts and unbelieves, you know, but uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Are you listening? The Lord will comfort you when you need comforting. But you don't need comforting when you're just doubting. You need reproving. And so a lot of people don't like that. They don't want that. But you don't need to be coddled and, and hugged when you're doubting and, and in essence looking at God and say, well, I know you said it, but I don't believe you. I know I should trust you on this, but I just don't. I know you've come through for me umpteen zillion times before and you've always been faithful, but uh, I just can't trust you right now. I know you've never lied to me and the devil's always lied to me, but I'm just going to have to believe what he says right now. And I'm not going to believe you right now. Why should the Lord be tolerant with that? Why? Are you listening? Now, He is long-suffering. Thank God. But that doesn't mean He has to like it. Amen? You know, sometimes people say, you know, the Lord loves you just like you are. <laughs> That's not exactly right. He loves you, but He doesn't have to love the way you are. Did you hear me? He loves you. Oh, yeah, he loves It's obvious he loves us. I mean, he, Jesus died for it. He loves us. But he doesn't have to love 
all that we are and all that we do and all that we act. And He doesn't. Amen. And He is not tolerant and going to condone our unbelief and say it's all right. I mean, Jesus came down out of the presence and glory of God. This man comes up and he's pleading. And he, if you go on and read the rest of it, he, he, he asked him, you know. In verse 20, they, they, they brought him to him. They brought this, this boy. And when he saw him, the spirit tore him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it's cast him in the fire and in the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, this is interesting. Jesus, Jesus comes down, here's the crowd is in an uproar and confusion. The disciples are confused. They don't know why this didn't work. And, and all these religious leaders are having a heyday out of the situation because somebody failed. How many know that people do? You know, a lot of folk, if somebody makes a mistake and something didn't work, or something, they all jump on it, you see. Now, they never got a miracle in their life. But because somebody messed up or something, they're going to all jump on them and condemn them. But... uh Jesus comes, and this man comes and they tell him about the situation. And when they begin to bring the boy out, this demon manifested itself. This boy went into a seizure. They said he'd wallow and foam at the mouth, and he'd run into the fire and throw himself in the water to try to drown himself. See, a demon, a demon. And it's interesting that a lot of times if a demon would manifest itself, people, they all immediately begin screaming in tongues or they get radical or something. Jesus just looks at his father and says, how long has this been going on? I mean, here's the guy, you know, flailing on the ground. And Jesus just looks at his father and says, how long has this been happening? You know, the reason and the way people respond when the devil does certain things show that they fear the devil. And fear of the devil is faith in the devil. Are you listening? When the devil manifests himself, we ought to think, so what? Just the devil. He's under our feet. You ought to think, oh, stupid devil. Shut up. Quit. In Jesus' name, get out of here. And that's it. Amen. You, but, but so many times people go, ooh, ah, you know the devil spoke through, the devil spoke through them. You know what he said? Ah, look at that. It's the devil. They're crawling around like a snake. And they, you know, they get all impressed with the devil. And the devil loves it. You do that and he'll put you on a show. I mean, he'll put you on a show. The more you go, ooh, and ah, he said, oh, you think that's, what's this? And I mean, he, you know, he just manifests because people are, are giving him attention. Jesus just looked at his father and he said, how long has this been going on? And the father said, since he's a child. And the father looks at Jesus and probably in a pleading tone says, if you can do anything, help us. Now we could feel sorry for the man. I mean, this is a terrible situation. But you know what Jesus looked at him and told him? Read the next verse. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You see, the father of this child tried to put all the responsibility on Jesus. 
Friend, I hope you're listening this morning. Because I know the Spirit of God's got some things He's, he's saying. I know it. The, the, the man tried to put all the responsibility on Jesus. And just threw the whole thing over in Jesus' lap. And said, here, you know, if, if you can do anything with this, oh dear, help us. If you can do anything with it, help us. But you know, Jesus handed it right back to him. And said, well, you know, there's a play on the words here. What do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And then the father of the child cried out loud. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about what's all, what all of us have experienced. Your heart can believe, but your head can give you problems. You ever experienced that? I mean, you know, in your heart, you know you believe, but I mean, all these thoughts come to your head. But just because thoughts come to your head, that doesn't mean you got out of faith. Just cast those thoughts down, reaffirm what you believe in your heart, and that's enough for God to work with. It's obvious that faith will work in your heart with the thought of doubt coming to your mind because this man's son got delivered. Amen. Jesus cast the spirit out of that boy and the boy was delivered from that hour. Can you say amen? Well, oh, friend, let the Spirit of God reveal this to you. Think about it. So many times people are trying to put all of the responsibility on God. Did you hear me? Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, help us. But if we would listen, the Spirit of God is turning things right around and saying, you know, what, what do you mean if I can? God can do anything. It's not a matter what God can do. If you can believe. And he puts the responsibility right back in our lap. If you can believe. All things are possible, not just with God, all things are possible to him that believes. Amen. You know, the Lord said something to me just a couple of months ago. And I mean, it's been ringing in my ears and heart ever since. I'd known it, I'd preached it, but it just kind of crystallized some things for me when he said this to me. He said, he said people, my, my children, don't receive according to my ability. And they don't receive according to what I can do. They receive according to their faith. Now you may have to think about that a little bit. We don't, somebody say, well God can do anything. Yeah, but that's not how you receive. Just because God can do it doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. You don't receive just according to what God can do. You don't just receive according to what Jesus has done for us in the death, burial, and resurrection. You receive not according to God's omnipotence or the provision in Christ. That, that's there so we can receive it. But you receive it, you'll enjoy it according to your faith. Amen. When those two blind men came to Jesus and they followed him in the house and they said, Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on us. He looked at me and said, do you believe I'm able to do this? Do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes. Yes, Lord. And then you might think he would have said, well, then according to my ability that you believe in, be it unto you. But he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, according to your faith. You see, many times people have gotten their thinking turned around. 
And, and who knows, at the times, Christians, and probably every one of us in here have done this in some shape, form, or fashion, have prayed and cried, Oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. Help me with this. Help me with that. Help me with the other. But did you know what, what they really meant? Or what we really meant is, Oh God, do it for me. Oh God, do it for me. Oh God, do it for He's not going to do it for you. He's going to help you do it. Did you hear me? This is the answer to many questions. Amen. The Lord didn't say, I'm the one who comes to do it for you. I'm the one who comes to help you. This word paraclete, it doesn't mean one who is sent to do it for you. It literally means one who is called to one side to help. To help. To help means to assist. To aid. Well, if, if, if you're going to help somebody, that implies they are doing something. Amen? You know, what if I said, you know, one of you fellas, come help me move the speaker. And you went over there and grabbed a hold of one side of it, and I said, go ahead and help me. <laughs> and I just sit down here, you know, oh, help, help me do it. Help me. Or if I called for, for one of you fellas and said, you know, come help me get up. And you grabbed a hold of my arm and I just sat here like a chunk of lead. Help me get up. Help me. Well, no, see what I, I'm saying, help me, but I, that's not what I mean. I mean, you do it. Right? You pick me up. You do it. And see, what we've got to understand is that there are a lot of things that God has given us responsibility in and He's not going to do it. And unless we're doing something, there's nothing to help. How do you help somebody do nothing? Can you say amen? amen. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me. That implies you're going to do something. Did you hear me? Lord, help me do it. Help me do it. Help me do it. And that implies you're going to do something. Lord, help me be a good preacher. That means you're going to preach. Lord, help me in my finances. That means you're going to do some things. You're going to give. You're going to believe God, and He's going to help you. Lord, help me in my job. That means you're going to work. Amen? And He's going to help you. He's not going to do it for you. He's going to help you. We've got to, in our hearts and minds, draw the line of demarcation and realize this is my part and this is God's part. I don't try to do God's part. I can't. But I needn't wait on Him to do my part because He's not. I've got to do my part. And when I do my part, He's going to do His part. He's faithful. And so many people think that they are waiting on God. They really do. And then crying and praying, Oh, God, help us. Oh, help us. Help us. But they're not doing anything for Him to help. You've got to give God something to work with. You've got to give Him some material. You've got to give Him an action. You've got to give Him some faith. Give Him something to bless. You could, I mean, you could, you could have a, a garden or a crop and you could pray all you want to. God, bless my crops. Bless my crops. But you've got to plant something for Him to bless. There's not going to be anything. Ble- how, how can you increase nothing? <laughs> 
A million times zero is what? Zero. I don't care how much you bless it or increase it, it's still zero. You gotta have something, but you just take one and multiply it times that and you got something. You got to give God something to work with. The Bible didn't say that the Lord had blessed what you set on. Said He'd bless what you put your hand to. Amen. He'd prosper you in the work of your hands. He would increase you and bless what you set your hand to. So He said, that which you do, do with all your might. If you give God a man, if you give God a woman, if you give Him something to work with, He'll do something with it. But if you sit by and say, help Lord, when you mean God do it for me, then you'll do without next time we see. Notice with me, go back over to Philippians. The first chapter. Philippians 1. Y'all not shouting as much as I thought you might. Actually, Philippians 2 is where I want you to look. Philippians 2, verse 12. He says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Everybody say, work out. out. Your own salvation. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now see, some folk, all they'll do is grab that 13th verse and say, God's working. God's gonna, God, God's gonna work. Well, yeah, but he works in you. He'll work in you to will. He'll work in you to do. But then what he works in, you've got to work out. Do you see it? You've got to work it out. Didn't say work for your salvation. Salvation is not by works, it's by grace through faith. But you've got to work it out. You've got to work it out. You know, effort says a lot of things and shows a lot of things. I remember, Phyllis, I'm sure you'll remember this. We were, a, we were in the speaker's room one time at Rama for a service, and Brother Hagin was there, and he got to telling us some stories, which he does, you know. He got to tell, and I, ne- I never heard him tell these stories anywhere, you know. And he got to tell us these stories just out of the blue. Just, you know, he just said, you know, I knew a man one time and took off. And he told us about this fellow years ago that was a very wealthy man. And he loaned money to people. And this one particular little church uh, borrowed money from him. And they got behind on their payments. And he went by to talk to them about it, you know. And uh, they said, well, you know, we'll, we'll get it, you know, sometime and whatever. But, but they just kind of were playing with it. They could do better than what they were. And he said, well now, he said, uh, you know, if y'all, don't, if y'all don't take care of this, I'm going to repossess this. They said, oh, you, you wouldn't repossess the church. I mean, you know, what would you do with it? He looked it over. He said, I imagine it would make a good barn. <laughs> and 
And see, the thing was that these people, they weren't really trying as hard as they could. And so he wasn't giving them any slack. He said, this man also, they, they, what happened? They finally come up with it. I mean, they got with the program then and they got their money. But, uh, he, he said also there was some other situation with this guy that he'd remembered that, uh, this fellow had loaned people money for farms and they owed him on farms. And in one particular area, they had several bad years in a row. In like two or three, two or three years of crop failure, drought, bad situation. And some of the people that had borrowed money from, they couldn't even pay interest or anything on, they just, they didn't make a crop. They're, they're just barely staying alive. And, and some of them that just quit working their land, just gave up and what have you, he went and possessed, repossessed it. Went and repossessed it. Somebody said, that's hard. But he said there was another guy, he'd had three crop failures in a row. But every day he'd get up at daylight, he'd go out, he'd work on his fence, He'd do what he could. He kept his place in the best shape he could. And he said that guy came by one day. Uh, the man, the, the rich man, looked over his place, and the fellow figured, you know, well, this is it. You know, he's come repossess it. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I've done the best I could. He said, but I, I don't have any money to give you. And he said, you know, you see, you see it. It's yours. The fellow pulled out the deed and handed it to him. He repossessed the other people's land. He took it away from them. They left with nothing. So I said, well, that's hard. And you know, I didn't, I didn't see the significance of that for some time after Brother Hagin told us those stories. But I was reading the verse of Scripture in Romans 11 one day, and it just stood off the page to me. It said, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. And I realized that there was something about the character of God that I hadn't seen as clearly. God is both good and He can be severe. Are you listening? And there is no contradiction between the two. Remember the, the story of the, the parable of the talents? How God gave the talents to different individuals and how two of them worked with what they had. And when they, when they were called into account, they said, well, you know, your talent has gained ten or your talent has gained five. And the Lord says, well done. I mean, he said the same thing to the one that had half as much as it did to the one that had the ten. Same words of commendation. Well done. You've been faithful over a few things. Now you'll be ruler over much. Blessed them. And the one fellow, he said, well, you know, uh, I just took my talent and, and buried it, you know, because I, 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 you know, and he said, take that away from him and give it to the man who's got ten. And the people that were there, they said, he's, got, he's already got ten. And he said, yeah, to those that have shall more be given. But to him that has not shall be taken away even that which he thinks he has. The margin's there. Somebody says, God like that? Yeah, he's like that. If you'll try, if you'll do all you can do, if you'll put forth the effort, he'll bless you. But if you don't try, if you won't put forth any effort, he'll let you go right down the tubes. Somebody said, well, that's hard for me to believe. You better believe it. I said, you better believe it. If you don't try, if you don't put forth an effort, he will let you fail. He will let you be destroyed. And it's not his fault. It'd be your fault. You will lose what you have. But I'm telling you, he's faithful. If you'll do the best you know how, he will help you. I said, he will help you. But if you're not trying, he's got nothing to help. Amen. If you throw your hands up in the air and give up and quit, there is nothing to help. And the thing is, it's not just a matter of people becoming discouraged. When people don't put forth an effort, and they don't put forth a good effort, it shows they don't have faith, and it shows heart problems. 
It shows a lot more serious heart problems than what some people might think for. You're wasting your time, personally, to try to help people and pour a lot into people that won't even try to help themselves. You are. You're being a poor steward of the resources God's given you. And not being led by the Spirit. Amen. So you need to learn how God is. Amen. And if you're going to put, if you're going to put your time, your prayer, your resources into something, I mean, it doesn't have to be somebody that's, that's, you know, a big name or anything. It just got, needs to be somebody though that's got a heart. They will do. They will try. They will do what they know how to do. They don't have to be educated. They don't have to be skilled or polished, but they got to have a heart. I'm going to do all I can do with what I got. And they're going to have a heart. I'm not going to quit. Amen. 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 You need to know about the character of God. And we need to understand that there's a lot of things we can do. I, I think, thought it was funny. I remembered something, uh, something else Brother Hagin had told a story about how, how that he was in a church one time and people in the altar. And this, this woman kept coming up every night, every service, kept coming up to the altar. And she'd get in the altar and pray for a long time saying, Oh God, take it away. Take it away, Lord. Take it away. Please take it away. She just did that day after day. Service over. Take it away, God. Oh, take it away. Take it away. You know I don't want it. Take it away. And this has been several years ago. And he, he went by finally. And he said, sister, sister. And he finally had, you know, had difficulty getting her attention. But finally he said, sister, sister. What, what do you mean take it away? Take what away? And she looked at him. She said, well, she said, uh, that old snuff. <laughs> See, she was a snuff dipper. <laughs> and she said, I just, the Lord knows I don't want this old snuff. I just want him to take it away. And he said, well, my sister, the Lord's not going to take it away from you. You're going to have to be willing to lay it down and he'll help you. He said, Are you, you, you got to be willing to give it up and turn loose of it and he'll help you. And when she realized that she had responsibility in the matter, she looked at him and she said, well, give up good old snuff. <laughs> well, I couldn't do that. And, and she left. Well, see, she shouldn't have been praying at all. She's not wanting help. She's wanting God to treat her like a puppet on strings, like a zombie with no will, and just do it. And he didn't create us that way, and he's not going to treat us that way. I had a fellow wanted to argue with me one time. He said, well, now, I'll just tell you one thing, brother. I just believe God is God. And when God gets ready for you to do something, you're going to do it. He said, that's what I believe. Well, he believed a lie. Because God is God, but he's not going to make you do anything. He will let you do what you want to do including go to hell. If you want to go to hell, He'll let you go. If you want to mess up your life, He'll let you do it. He is not going to make you do anything. He gave you a mind. He intends that you use it. He intends that you choose His way, set your will to do His will, do everything within your power to obey Him, and when you do that, He will help you. Not do it for you, but He will help you. Amen. 
I've had, I've had people, not, not just once or twice, not just one person or two or three or four. I've had people grab my sleeve. I've had people hold on to my side and say, Brother Keith, uh, help me. Do it. Make me do it. Do it for me. One person cannot make anybody do anything in these areas spiritually. I mean, you might tie somebody up, and, you know, <laughs> coerce them somewhere else, but, but you can't get an action from their heart. You can't make somebody in their heart do this or that. So many times when folk have been crying, Lord, help me, help me, help me, what they mean is, Lord, do it. Do it. And they are wrong, and they are praying wrong, and they're going to be just as helpless and in trouble next time we see them unless they change and realize that when you say, Lord, help me, that implies, Lord, I intend to do something. I'm going to do something, and I'm asking you to assist me. I need your help in doing it. Real briefly, in closing, let me remind you of some things that God has told us to do and some things that He said He would do if we did it. Let's, let's learn to draw the line at what is our part what is his part? Amen. For one thing, our part is believe. Amen. God's not going to believe for you. He's not going to make you believe. You've got to believe. You've got to believe what he said. Amen. You've got to believe. God's part is he'll help you. He'll reveal truth to you. He'll send you folk to teach you and to help you and to minister to you. But you've got to believe. He's not going to do that for you. Are you with me? You gotta, once you see it, you gotta accept it, you gotta grab a hold of it, you gotta say, I believe that with all my heart. Amen? That's your part. Also, you gotta control your mind. I said, you gotta control your mind. And you gotta think on what God tells you to think on. He's not gonna control your mind for you. There's no, you wasting your time praying, trying to get Him to control your mind for you. It's your mind. He's not gonna control it. Are you listening? Oh God, make my mind straighten out. You're wasting your breath. It's your mind. You can think on what you want to think. If you believe anything else, you believe a lie. Did you hear me? God's not going to control your mind for you. If you'll keep, do you remember what he said? If you'll keep your mind stayed on me, who's going to do it? You. If you keep your mind stayed on him, he said, I will keep you in perfect peace. See, he's told you, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you peace. But you got to keep your, you got to do it. You got to do it. Also, he'll remind you. That's one of the great ministries of the Holy Spirit. He'll remind you. Isn't that a help? Glory to God. He'll bring things to you, remember? Remind you, remind you, remind you. But he's not going to do it. He'll just remind you. Also, you got to love and walk in love and forgive. Amen. I remember one time I, I was having a little bit of a relationship problem with someone, having to work through some things. And I was praying one time about it. I said, oh God, if you could just give me some feelings for them. I need some feelings for them, you know. If you could just give me some feelings for them. And the Lord, began, I, the Lord began to talk to me. And I don't mean he patted me on the back either. I mean he reproved me. He said, you're a pretty looking thing. He said, you preach every day in healing school. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. And here you are saying, I want some feelings. I got I need some feelings. He said, practice what you preach. I know the Lord won't cut you some slack sometimes. He just, he just tell you straight, you know. But see, I didn't realize that love, walking in love is the same thing as walking in faith. 
You know, faith and love work together. Amen. Faith works by love. And the thing is, you can't, you can't say, oh, Lord, you know, lots of people are saying, oh, God, I just can't, I can't love so-and-so. I just can't forgive them. That's a lie. See, a lot of times what folk are thinking is I have to feel a certain way before I can treat them right or act in love. No, you don't. You can feel like slapping somebody and be nice to them. And that is walking in love. You can feel like just chewing somebody out and bite your tongue and smile and bless them. Somebody said, that's being a hypocrite. No, that's putting your flesh under and walking in love. Amen. Somebody said, well, I just can't do that. I'll just tell you one thing. I'm just a, I'm a real person. I'm just real. If I feel a certain way, that's the way I'm going to talk in that. I'm just real. Yeah, real carnal. You got it. You got to. You, you can't act the way you feel. Amen. Well, Lord, if you could just help me, if you could just give me some feelings, quit acting like a baby and act like you love them, no matter how you feel. Act like you love. Them. It's an act. Love is an act. It's not just a feeling. If you act in it long enough, it'll produce feelings. But love is not just a feeling. Love is an act. You can act like you love people when you feel like hitting them. And that is being spiritual. That is walking in divine love. Can you say amen? amen. God's not going to do that for you. He's not going to make you do that. you got to do it. I said, you got to do that. Now, if you will do that, He's already done something. He shed, shed the love of God abroad in our hearts, and He will help us with that. But we've got to act. We've got to take the step. We've got to speak the words. We've got to do it. He's not going to make us do it. He's not going to do it for us. We've got to do it. Can you say amen? amen. Also, you've got to keep your body under He's not going to do that for you. He'll help you, but He's not going to do it for you. Did you hear me? Well, oh Lord, I just, I don't want to yield to this, but I just can't help it. That's a lie. It's your body. Amen. If, if, I mean, if you're not running your body, who is? You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I keep under my body. Who does it? I do it. I, me, the man on the inside, I do it. Oh, God, help me. Well, he'll help you, but you got to do it. Well, I can't. It's a lie. I try. Don't, don't, don't say I try. Say I don't. Amen. You either do it or you don't. To say I can't is a lie. Did you hear me? Nobody makes us yield to the flesh. Well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You yielded to him. See, this is the problem with some of these extreme teachings on deliverance. And some of these folk and some of these ministries and some of these churches, anybody that's got a problem, well, come up here and we'll set you free. And so they're going to scream in tongues over somebody for a prolonged period of time and set them free. But what they're trying to do, these people are not taking any responsibility, many of them. I'm not going to do a thing. You're going to just wave a magic wand over me and I'm going to be free for the rest of my life. No, sir, no, ma'am. No, if you don't learn how to control your mind, and if you don't learn how to control your body, I don't care who prays for you how long, you might get temporarily helped, but you will never be free. You will never be victorious until you control your mind and you control your body. Now that's the truth. Whether folk like it or not, that's the, that's the truth. And did you know you're better off? And I've learned this after several years of working with people of this oppressed mentally and physically on a daily basis. Did you know you are better off 
Many times, not even praying for people, not even ministering to people at all, if, if you can sense that they are not going to take the responsibility to take hold of their mind and their body. Didn't you know the Bible said that when an evil spirit leaves somebody, that, that if they don't do something about it, that he can return with several more, more wicked than himself, and the last state of the man's worse than the first? Amen. And I, I've, I've determined, you know, I don't want people to wind up in worse shape. And a lot of times if I can sense that people, they just want me to do it. You just do it. You just do it. You just, and they are not willing to try to control their thought life or their body or anything. They're just trying to make out, well, I'm, I'm just a pawn and these powers greater than I are manipulating me and there's nothing I can do about it. Help me. Sounds like what the man said to Jesus, isn't it? He said, if you can do anything for me, help me. I've had, I've had people cuss me out over this. I've had people call me names and scream at me as I left the pulpit over this. Are you listening? They said, I drove X amount of miles to find somebody to help me. Now, do you have the power or not? Are you anointed man of God or not? Can you deliver me or not? See what they did? They came through the whole thing in my lap. You set me free. Well, friend... The servant is not above his master. Jesus looked at that man. He said, if you can believe. I was ministering to a man one time and I tried to help him see, well, friend, you're going to have to control your mind. You go, I'll pray for you and help you, but you, you got, you got to control, you got to do some things. He said, you mean I'm supposed to do something? I said, yeah. He said, well, dear God, I come here for help you. I'm supposed to do something. And he cried out loud like a baby for a half hour. I'm not exaggerating. You feel sorry for folk like that. But friend, I am not the Savior. I am not God. No man is. No woman is. And even the Master himself, as he operated on the earth, he required things of people. Amen. Amen. Are you listening? He didn't just say, fine, I'll wave a magic wand and you'll be all right. No, no, no. He didn't take all the responsibility for them getting set free and help. If you can do anything, the man said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us, help us. And the Lord said, what do you mean if I can? If you can believe, all things are possible. And the man did. He Just like that, he believed with all the faith he had. He said, Lord, I do. I believe. I, I mean, he hooked up, and the Lord said, that's enough. And he met him. What if he'd have done nothing? Myriads of Christians. Have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Oh, God, help. Help, Lord, help. Help me, help me, help me, help me. But what they mean is, do it. Do it. Do it. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. I don't want to do anything. You do it. Please. Please do it. And friend, you can fast. and You can pray. You can turn in prayer requests. You can go to big meetings. You can have people lay hands on you. You can have people pray over you and shout over you and scream over you and sweat on you. But until you, did you hear me? Until you do your part, make up your mind, I'm going to believe. I'm going to control my mind. I'm going to control my body. I I'm going to obey God. Amen. I'm going to do my part. Until you do that, there's nothing to help. God Himself can't help you. 
because you're not doing anything for him to help. Can you say amen? amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.